0: What's his purpose? He's going to make us like his son. He's going to conform us to the image of his son. He predestined this from all eternity. He's going to make me and you, Christian, like his son. He's going to make his son the firstborn among many brethren. You didn't choose me, Jesus said to the twelve. I chose you and appointed you. Paul writes to Timothy toward the end of the line. He says, remember, Timothy... He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Oh, there is security in that, and there is glory to God in that. And we Christians should rejoice in it. We should splash around, you might
1: say, in the grace of God. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott concludes the message titled, God's Unshakable Purpose. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Just as God, in sovereign
0: grace, created us in the image of God. Male and female, he created us in his image, remember? Just as he did that, so God, in sovereign grace... Orchestrates all things today, the headlines, the back page, the details, the big picture, everything he orchestrates to conform his children to the image of Christ. What can we say? I mean, you know, he's going to ask that question. The rest of, in fact, in, I told you last week, I hate to stop in Romans 8. I mean, the whole thing just keeps unfolding and the text just, but you read ahead, memorize ahead, mull this over, get this in your heart. God causes all things to work together for our good. He's conforming us to the image of his son. But secondly, notice it's just not our good, but his glory. Look at verse, the end of verse 29, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. It's not only for our salvation, but for His glory. God has purposed to surround His Son throughout all eternity with those who will be His brethren. (laughs) I wouldn't use the term if He didn't. And by the way, I don't think we should use the term uh, addressing Him. The Bible doesn't. I kind of cringe when I hear people talk about their brother, you know, the Lord. He's the Lord to us. We're His brethren. In amazing grace, He doesn't... He's not ashamed. Hebrews 2, I think it's verse 11, says, He is not ashamed to call us His brethren. And we should bask in the family relationship. But uh, He's the Lord. He's the Lord. But amazingly, He's going to be the firstborn among many brethren. He's the forerunner. He's entered as a forerunner. He's the anchor that's already in the harbor, so to speak... He's already at home with the Lord. He is already at the right hand of glory. He's interceding for us now. He's entered as our forerunner. He'll be back for us. And He's the firstborn among many brethren. And the angels, all created intelligence throughout eternity, will marvel that you and I, that we are children of God, objects of His grace, He will be honored and exalted as the firstborn among many brethren. Now, watch how he unfolds at verse 30. Uh, You're looking, you know, I I said it's the summit. If you've been living, you know, I was thinking about it this morning. I don't know if you happen to see the sunrise and about the hour that preceded it. But I'll tell you what, you get up on the summit, you know, and you see, and the word predestined, we get our word predestined. Horizon from you see God's purposes from eternity to eternity. You see the full picture. If you've been living down, you know, in the strip mall mentality down here, you know, in the valley, just kind of looking at everything, and your big concern is what man's purposes are and who's going to win New Hampshire and what's going to happen over here and whether the economy's really going to go Are they going to raise the interest rates? And who's going to... Uh, will he have his arm today? Will the receivers be able to catch the ball? And all the little things we get all occupied with, if you've been living down in just marveling at man's little skyscrapers, you get up on the summit, you know, And you really see from horizon to horizon. And, you know, you see from eternity past to eternity future in verse 30. It's all right there. And he doesn't mince any words. He gives a golden chain, five links. Notice, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. And I left the first one off because it's in verse 29. Those whom He foreknew, He also predestined. Now, He gave us this view for us to bask in, for us to enjoy. God is on display. His purpose is His unshakable purpose for our good and His glory. Let's look at it. First term He uses, whom He foreknew, foreknowledge. Whom he foreknew. Notice, it is whom he foreknew, not what he foreknew. The Bible presents this in a personal way. This idea in Scripture is intimate knowledge. It's personal relationship. From all eternity, God knew you, Christian. You know, this is the term that is used in the Scripture of the marital relation. The man knew his wife Eve, and she bore children. Oh, it speaks of intimacy. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined. This isn't. Don't make the mistake some people do of just making this kind of a God just kind of looking ahead. He knows what's going to happen ahead of time because he can kind of, he's above time and he can kind of look on down the timeline like watching a video up ahead. What does that turn God into? A lot of people think that way. Even Christians, I find, think that way that God, you know, Chose you because he saw that you were going to believe in him. What does that make God into? Well, just a bystander. Just kind of waiting to see how it turns out. Well, he can look ahead. He can fast forward. Oh, no. The God of Romans 8, the God of Genesis to Revelation, he foreknew you. He's not waiting to find out what kind of person you're going to be, whether you're going to have enough. Listen, if he waited, he'd be waiting forever because nobody would love him. None seek Him. I mean, He's already covered that ground, has He not, in Romans 3? Romans 1 through 3? Oh, yeah. He clearly spelled out what we're made of and what our heart toward Him was. Crucify Him, crucify Him. We have no king but Caesar, His own people said. That's what man is made of, sin. Ever since Adam sinned, there's been nothing but rebellion in man the depravity of man. But God foreknew. He knew His own. He chose for Himself. For ordination, you could translate this word and be right on the money. You know, uh, it's uh, all the way through Scripture, but uh, there's a good illustration of it in the book of Amos. In the first couple chapters, he, he speaks of Syria, and He speaks of the Philistines, and He speaks of Lebanon, Lebanon and Edom, and Ammon and all the nations, uh, that were germane to his discussion. He says, I'll tell you what's going to happen with Syria. I'll tell you, you know, and he just, he speaks. But then, and he even speaks of Judah and Israel in those first couple chapters. But then you get to chapter three and he says this to Israel, you only have I known among all the nations, all the families of the earth. You only have I known among all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for your iniquities. You're mine. You only have I known. That's how the old King James has it. New American translates it. You only have I chosen. And I'll tell you what, it's the word for no in the Old Testament. Hundreds of times it's translated no. And the idea of I've chosen you out. I've known you, Israel. I, oh, of course, he knows the other nations. He knows what they're like, but he has known Israel. And hence, he says, I'm going to punish you for your inequities. Part of being in the family of God is uh, he takes care of his own. And that means even discipline. No, it's going back into all eternity and saying, the Lord knows those who are His. You know, that's what 2 Timothy says in chapter 2, verse 19, when he starts, uh, Paul is lamenting a couple of guys, he names them by name, who've gone astray. And speaking as a human, you know, it might confuse us. Well, what's the deal? If those two go astray, can others? And he says, nevertheless, Timothy, verse 19, the firm foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. The Lord knows those who are His. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. I know my own, and my own know me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Oh, enjoy this, Christian. This is tremendous truth. He said to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb... I knew you, Jeremiah 1.5. That could be said of every believer. Before you even began, you know, before I formed you in the womb, before the point of conception, long before that, from all eternity, I knew you. Those whom he foreknew, he also, read on, predestined, predestined to determine from the start what will be the outcome. Think about it. God is not only the sovereign, but He's the omnipotent. And He can pre and does predestine. He can determine from the start what will be the outcome. You and I can't even get to the grocery store. You know what? We say, I'm going to, and then we don't get it accomplished. God, He does. Turn over to Ephesians. We looked at this last time, but I want you to look at it again. Ephesians 1. to predetermine those whom he foreknew he also predestined and whom he predestined these he also called. Oh, the personal nature of this. And just enjoy it. Ephesians 1 verse 11. Also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will. Oh, enjoy that. Or look, glance up. You know, this whole section, verse 3 through 14, is talking about the triune God and His work in our salvation. The Father chose us, the Son redeemed us, and the Spirit seals us. But in all cases, you see the sovereign hand of God. He's the Savior. From A to Z, He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the author and finisher of faith. And so as he starts in verse three, he winds up in verse fourteen and three times when he comes to the close of what the son, the father does, the son does, and the spirit does in each case. Verse, uh, six, twelve, and fourteen, I think. He says to the praise of the glory of his grace. But you look back at the beginning and what does it say? Verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will. God's purpose, His kind intention, His will, his eternal purpose is our good and His glory. In Ephesians, those, those, that whole section I gave you there is one of the greatest statements of it. Romans 8 puts it into shorthand. Those whom He foreknew, He predestined. And whom He predestined, these He also called. And whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. What's His purpose? He's going to make us like His Son... He's going to conform us to the image of His Son. He predestined this from all eternity. He's going to make me and you, Christian, like His Son. He's going to make His Son the firstborn among many brethren. You didn't choose me, Jesus said to the twelve. I chose you and appointed you. Paul writes to Timothy toward the end of the line, and he says, remember Timothy. He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Oh, there is security in that, and there is glory to God in that. And we Christians should rejoice in it. We should splash around, you might say, in the grace of God. His sovereign choice to save you, Christian, from all eternity Those whom He foreknew, He also predestined. And whom He predestined, these He also... And look at our text now. Look at the third golden link. These He also called. You see, He's speaking here of certainties. Now, the Bible speaks of calling in two ways. There's the gospel call. And we are to call men to the gospel. How will they believe if they haven't heard? He asks later, a couple chapters later here, and we're called to get out there and call people to Christ, to make the gospel call. But he's talking about more than the gospel call here. He's talking about an effectual call. He's talking about that process whereby God calls us out of darkness into light. And he uses the gospel call, but he's talking about something deeper than that. Those whom He foreknew, He also predestined. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And God's calling is absolutely certain. He doesn't call in this sense and not have it accomplished. Because those whom He calls, He what? Look on. He justifies. We're not talking about Him saying, okay, whoever wants to, come on in now. That's the gospel call. Whoever will may come. And we're to make that call daily. That should be the burden of our heart and our life as a church and as individuals to proclaim the gospel and don't ever depreciate the gospel call in contradic- or or in distinction from the effectual call. Some who have enjoyed the great truth of the effectual call of God have started to dep- depreciate the gospel call. And I'll tell you what, God uses the gospel call. It is the means which He has chosen to, to get people called. And he will not call those whom he doesn't call. In other words, how will they hear if we don't tell them? So the gospel call is God's ordained means to get to the effectual call, but the effectual call, you can see it in Jesus' words when he said, many are called, but few are chosen. What's he mean by that? He means this, the gospel goes out to anyone today and everyone. Many are called, but nothing is more obvious than that most spurn that call. You proclaim the gospel here in America, and most people say, I heard that, done that, I don't want to hear that, or whatever. You go overseas, and they say, oh, no, we worship our ancestors, or we worship Baal or some sort of thing, you know, one one way or another. Paganism. Uh, and all the other isms that grip men's heart man's religions man's substitutes for the one and only true God there's nothing more clear than what Jesus said. The road is narrow and the gate the road is is narrow, and the gate is small that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Many are called, but few are chosen that's what Jesus is getting at here, and he's talking here not about man's response but about god's purpose, his unshakable purpose, and whom he foreknew he predestined, and whom he predestined these he also called. Enjoy that, Christian. And whom he called, these he also, read on, justified. You say, what does that mean? Well, we saw it from chapters 3 through 5, the great truth of justification. God declares us righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. And everyone he calls, he justifies. And whom he justifies, he also glorified. Now, don't miss that. From eternity past, when God foreknew me to eternity future, look at verse 30, it closes with this tremendous thought, glorified. For every Christian, everyone who loves God, everyone called according to His purpose, He says we are glorified. He uses the past tense. Did you see that? Why? Because it is absolutely certain It's not, He's going to glorify. That's true enough. We're groaning, it said earlier. We're waiting the redemption of our bodies. We're waiting that day of glorification. But it is so certain that He says, those whom He justified, these He also glorified. It's done. It's a done deal. Aren't you glad? Nothing in heaven and earth can separate you from Him. And He's going to get to that down here later. Oh, Christian, this is the doctrinal truth, the doctrinal foundation for all the blessings of Romans 8. God's holy purpose from all eternity in your life and in my life. Who's it for? Well, you say, don't we have to believe? I mean, doesn't the person have... Well, yes, of course. He's already covered that in Romans. Yes, it's for those who... Love him, he says here. If you're speaking of man's response, yes, you'd be speaking of faith. In fact, the great theme of Romans, justification by faith. Hence, we're to proclaim the gospel. But he's not talking about man here in Romans 8. He's talking about something greater than that. He's talking about God's eternal purpose. And so he just mentions love. And earlier, he spent a long time developing faith. But the fact of the matter is, faith is a gift of God. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. Everything about our salvation is of God. From the A to the Z of it, He's the Alpha and the Omega. If it depended on me or you, we wouldn't be saved. But praise God, He took care of things all the way through. And so He's not talking about faith. You won't find faith here because He's emphasizing God's part in this. He mentions love, the earmark of one who's been called according to his purpose, is that you will love him. In fact, that love for him will be evidence. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples. By the love you have, not only for me, but for what? One another. That will be the earmark of a believer. But that's just almost tangential here to what he's after. In verse 30, when he says, these he also glorified. You say, it sounds as if God did it all. It's right. That's exactly right. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. I'm reminded of that simple story of the old man who came to Christ. He found salvation and he applied to the elders of the church to join the church. And they said, well, let's hear about your salvation. You first tell us your part and then tell us God's part. He said, my part? My part was the sinning. His part was the saving. And that just about says it all, doesn't it? That's what Romans has spelled out for eight chapters. We who had nothing to offer Him, we who had no inclination toward Him, there is none who seeks for God. No, not one. All have turned aside. There was nothing in me that desired God. Nothing in you. He foreknew you. He predestined. He called you. He justified you. He glorified you. And the believer says, Praise be to God Almighty. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. For who is known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become His counselor? Or who has first paid to Him that it might be paid back to Him again? For from Him and through Him or to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's what the believer says. That's what God's children say. Salvation is of God. He will glorify you Christian he will glorify everyone he justifies and he will call those whom he's justified I mean you know if you work your way backwards you can go all the way back to his foreknowledge those whom he foreknew he'll predestine those whom he predestined he'll call those whom he called, he'll justify and those whom he justified he will glorify God's purposes are absolutely certain he's not the kind of shepherd that says come on in well I got about 95 96 ah even 99 no He wants all hundred of his sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. I lay down my life for the sheep.
1: You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, God's Unshakable Purpose, a message from our series in the book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist, It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org, or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. We're continuing to see new growth in the Romans Project on the continent of Africa. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this ministry, or become a partner with us as we minister to pastors and church leaders throughout Africa. Just navigate over to RomansProject.org or connect with us at Facebook.com slash RomansProject. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast.
0: If God is for us, who is against us? That changes everything. God Almighty, omnipotent, does whatever He wants. He's in the heavens. He does what He pleases. You know, we've been looking at Him because He is the key to these great truths that Paul is celebrating now. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. God is for us. The all-wise one. Never kind of wondering, if I only had a little more information, I'd know how to make a decision here. He knows everything. And he always uses his knowledge and his power in perfect
1: wisdom. That's who is for us. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott begins a six-part message wonderfully titled, God is for Us. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.